Hi, I'm Daniel. This is uh, my face. Man, get you a lead pastor who will hype you up like this. We're actually auctioning this off for Beard Awareness Month, so anyone who wants to make a contribution, that'll go right to the Christmas offering fund as well. Anyhow, it is great to see you all, whether this is your first time with us for the year or uh, you've been here for the whole course of this series, Best Blank Ever. We're having a great time talking about this big idea that God's wisdom transcends 2019. And the whole point we've been making week after week is this thing that, you know, God really cares about 2019. He really does. And we care about your 2019 too. We hope you have the best year ever. But God's vision for our lives is so much bigger than any given year on the calendar. And one of the things we learned last week is that God's wisdom is eternal. It's something that's always existed. He created the world through wisdom. And in the New Testament, it's revealed that Jesus himself is wisdom. So when we tap into the wise sayings that the Bible has to offer us, we're really tapping into something more than just factual information in our head. And so today we're doing something really specific. We're talking about having the best friendships ever. And who among us wouldn't want to have better friendships in 2019? Beyond that, who wouldn't want to have more friends or just to improve our friendships? And so that's kind of what we're going into today. And although we're talking specifically about friendships, I think you'll see that these principles apply to any relationship that you have in your life. But if we're being honest, isn't it a little hard to find friends as an adult? Has anyone ever found that to be a little bit more difficult? When you're growing up, you were walking through all the same things in life, and life was completely structured for you, but then responsibilities happen, and it's hard to invest in real, meaningful friendships. So I decided I needed to help myself out in the friend department. I was having some difficulty, so I recently made an investment in man's best friend. This is my puppy, Dave. There he is, everyone. Love my dog, Okay. I'm judging you if you don't love my dog right now, okay? Dave is seriously such a good boy. He is at least like 14 out of 10 on the good boy scale, for real. Like, he's been such a good boy that we haven't even had any number two accidents in the house, for real. Now, that was the truth, but I swear as I was bragging about that to every single person I could come up to, it was like the universe heard, right? And all of a sudden, I'm holding Dave the other day when... I'm going to let you consider the rest of that story. I don't really want to go there this morning. But again, making friends can be really hard. Yesterday, I caved and I did the how hard did aging hit you challenge on Facebook. Have you seen this over and over and over again? I want to give you an idea of what life was like 10 years back in the time machine for Daniel Thompson. There we are right there. Things have changed. Just a small amount, right? Praise the Lord for time, honestly. That is me as a senior in high school right there about 11 years ago, and I did rip those pants at a local dodgeball tournament, unfortunately. They were just a little bit too tight. Anyhow, never going to do something like that again, probably. But we've all been on social media for a long time now, the most of us, right? I've been walking alongside social media even before Facebook. There's this thing called MySpace where you had top eight friends and everything like that. It's a real sacred thing in my life. And... We've been having these connections with people, whether they're in our life or not. It's a cool thing about social media. People move on, we can stay up to date with them. But have you ever found that the connections that we have online don't necessarily fulfill us? A lot of the time, we have the illusion of tons of connections. We have thousands of friends a lot of the time on Facebook or followers on Twitter. But is it necessarily making us better 
at the friendships that we have in our real lives. So for this series, we've been diving into the book of Proverbs because this is the most reliable place I can think about. If we were to want to start off this year and to leave a legacy in our lives of wisdom, this would be the place to go. It's a book from the Old Testament, and a lot of us have been reading about a chapter of Proverbs a day because there are 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs has a lot to say about our relationships, specifically our friendships. And this is something that if you're following along with a proverb a day, a chapter of Proverbs a day, we would have started with this yesterday. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, we realize intuitively that our relationships and our friendships have a tremendous impact on our lives. If we surround ourselves by good friends, the likelihood is that good things and fun, even, is going to follow. Surround yourself with friends that aren't so great, and you'll find trouble and struggle are really close by. I mean, if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who have terrible marriages and don't value their spouse, it's not necessarily going to rub off on you in a good way, right? If you surround yourself with people who could care a rip about your grades and you're a student and we all are just going out and like playing video games until three in the morning, it's not necessarily going to impact your GPA in a positive way. Hate to break it to you, okay? If you're hanging around with people who could care less about the debt in their life and they don't really steward their finances well, if that's the circle you surround yourself with, the likelihood is you're not naturally going to learn to steward your finances well. Now, That's pretty heavy. On a less serious note, uh, are you guys familiar with our friend Jeff Sutton, our worship pastor who's up here a lot of the time? Now, he has a friend, Quint, who's actually playing drums for us today. And Quint, he's been going through a rough spell right now because his Pittsburgh Steelers didn't make the playoffs, right? So we feel bad for Quint, and Jeff is also Quint's neighbor. And so consoling Quint and being a really good neighbor, we caught this footage of Pastor Jeff over at Quint's house the other day. Check this out. Oh, Pastor Jeff, what are you doing? Is that, is that Quint's flagpole with the Pittsburgh Steelers flag on it? Oh, Jeff. Jeff. Come on, man. You know what? Who doesn't need a friend who can come to them in the midst of their football nightmare and console them by lowering their team flag to half-mast like Pastor Jeff? right? Man, invest in a good security system, folks. Your local pastor may come by and do something nefarious to your house. Now, you can be praying for Jeff, too, because he's an Indianapolis Colts fan, and we all heard how that turned out yesterday, huh? So, a little bit too close to home. We got some Colts fans on the staff. I'll pay for that later. But with all that said, we all know that our friendships impact us in an immense way. And last week, we learned that Proverbs was written by Solomon. He was the wisest and wealthiest king in the history of the nation of Israel. He was famous. People would come just to listen to him give advice. But Solomon had a father who was even more famous than him, King David. You may have heard of him before, the whole story of David and Goliath. That was Solomon's dad. Now, if you know anything about David, you know he was a super interesting character. His highs in life were really high, but his lows were really low as well. And he was known for his heart that God admired, but he was also known for terrible decisions that he made as well. So, 
Solomon would have written Proverbs with his dad's history in mind, with all the lessons he learned from his dad. And so something that we recognize from David's life is that through the good times and bad, he had the presence of friends that we all need. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at those friends that we need in our lives and see how the wisdom from David's son Solomon backs up the need for those friendships. A pastor uh, said it this way recently, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I think we know that makes sense. But the way that we're going to land that today is there are three types of friends that everyone needs. So for starters, David had an old friend named Samuel. And I think we all need an old wise friend in our lives, if we're being honest. And Samuel was, quite frankly, a boss. He was so awesome. Samuel, it was his job. God sent him to tell the first king of Israel, Saul, that Saul had failed at his job and that there was going to be a new king. Imagine the type of authority and influence that Samuel had in that nation and in his relationship with God. Now, after all that happened... Samuel is set apart, and he's supposed to go specifically to the house of this Israelite, Jesse, because God has said one of Jesse's sons is going to be the king of Israel, the next king, a king after my own heart. Now, he goes there, and Jesse brings out his oldest, most attractive, most well-put-together, most hardworking son. And Samuel's thinking, surely this is the king that we need to anoint to be the king over Israel. But God's like, no, that's not the one. And so over and over again, Jesse has all these sons who help out around the house, and he brings attractive, well-put-together, intelligent, gifted son after gifted son over and over again, and again and again and again. God's like, that's not the one. And so Jesse's finally like, okay, I've got one more son, and his son David is out tending to the family sheep. All right, I can imagine he's covered in some incredibly gross stuff when he comes in, and something incredible happens when David enters the scene. This is what we hear. It says, The Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. And that's exactly what Samuel does. Now, that might not sound so profound to you, but I want to piece this together for you. The thing that's so profound about Samuel to David is that Samuel is allowed by God to see something in David that no one else, not even David's family or friends, could see in him. And Samuel anoints David as the next king of Israel and sets his path on a different course. See, we love this story because of all else, we recognize that God doesn't care about outward appearance when he's valuing what things are worth in life and what the character of a human is. What matters is the condition of our hearts. And so, like David, we all need a friend like Samuel who's willing to make us better. So I got to ask you, most of our friends come from proximity, right? Most of our friends come from people that we either work with or whose kids have the same extracurricular activities as us, or maybe they're from our families. And that's not a bad thing to have friends who are close to you. But I got to ask you this. Just simply ask yourself this. Do my friends make me better? I want you to analyze that for a second. Do the friends in my life actually make me better? I'm a lot like David. I needed an older, wiser friend in my life. And so that friend for me was a man 
named Brad. If you want to hop back 15 years in the time machine, I was a junior high student with even scragglier, longer hair, acne face, braces, skateboard shoes, and a heavy dose of attention deficit disorder. So I was like pretty much the picture of unlovable, okay? And somehow, like my friend Brad and my family made it out to survive. But Brad, he's 23 years old, he had just graduated from college, and he was the youth minister at our church. And he wasn't even living in the town that I was from. He was driving 40 minutes both ways, multiple times a week, to be the youth minister at this church while his wife finished up her degree as well. And you know what? Uh, I can almost guarantee you Brad was not paid well whatsoever. And I can also guarantee you that if you know any other 23-year-olds in the world, that his life was not completely together. But Brad made me better. I can remember it plain as day. If you're a parent, you know what it's like, likely, to be at a junior high track meet and how thankless of an attendance that is. You're going to watch loads and loads of events. And I can remember clear as day, I was running in the state track meet in my eighth grade year. I was running in the 1600 meter run, and I actually had an asthma episode, and I finished with a terrible time. I did so poorly, I didn't get to ascend to the goal that I had for that season. I was so disappointed in myself, I was too ashamed to look at any of my teammates. Who was there to meet me at the finish line? Brad, the youth minister who already didn't have a gas budget worth getting to the place where he was working, in Peoria, Illinois as well. You know who a lot of people don't have hope for? Kids who finish their freshman year of high school with a GPA of 2.0 and who have behavior issues like me. But Brad saw something in me that no one else in my entire life saw in me. Brad was there the day that I decided as a 14-year-old to serve in the church for the rest of my life. He was standing there officiating the wedding the day my wife and I got married. Brad made me better. So i got to ask you, do your friends make you better? And maybe it isn't a mentor. Maybe it isn't someone who's totally older than you. But they should probably be someone who's secure enough and where they're at in their relationship with God that they can see your life clearly and cast a future over you that truly makes you better. Proverbs 27, 17 says it like this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think it's really cool the New Living Translation actually uses the word friend in that verse. So i got to ask you, do you have a friend who sharpens and shapes you into the person that God has created you to be? Do you have a friend who makes you better the way Samuel made David better? Man, we all need a friend who can make us better. Now, a few chapters later in David's life, things are moving and changing a little bit. And he's not king yet, but he's become a war hero. He's absolutely famous. And all the people in the nation of Israel, including the ladies, are starting to take notice of this ruddy, handsome dude named David. And David, his Instagram account must have been a booming at this point in time. And Saul got super duper jealous of David. It was at the point where he was getting way more likes on his post than Saul. I'm obviously messing around right now. But Saul escalates this to the point where he is so mad that he actually starts to plot to kill David. Wow. I mean, that escalated pretty quickly, didn't it? So the story goes like this. This is from 1 Samuel 23. It says, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Oh. And Saul saw Jonathan, 
And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Now, let's set aside for the moment how profound it is that Jonathan is the son of the one trying to kill David, and he sides with David as an incredible friend in the first place. But did you pay attention to the phrase? The whole point was that he helped David find strength in God. And so this is the second type of friend that we all need. We all need a friend who can make us stronger. Now, you may be investigating spirituality for the first time, and we're thankful that you've joined us today. You may be the person who's been following Jesus for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, decades upon decades. I don't care where life finds you this morning, there is going to be a point in time where you're down or even depressed, regardless of what you believe. There are going to be days where it feels like your enemies are closing in on you, that they are entrapping you, and there's nothing that you can do to escape. And regardless of how strong your faith is, there is going to be a day where you look at your circumstances and think to yourself, there isn't possibly a chance that there could be a God who exists and who loves me and is looking out for me. When we're stuck in a rut that we can't get out of, we need friends who make us stronger. We don't need a friend who says, I'll pray for you. We need a friend who says, I'm coming over to pray with you right now. We need friends who will make us stronger. See, i got to be transparent. I've lived a really fortunate life. I have not endured all that much hardship. I've only lost a couple of direct blood-related family members, and the first time it ever really happened was at the age of 22. Uh, That's when I lost my grandfather, and I was working at that time at a church, a mega church in Orland Park, Illinois, called Parkview Christian Church, as a lowly student ministries intern. I was literally at the bottom of the entire organizational chart. I really had only been there for about a month, and so when my grandpa died, I asked for some time off, and of course they granted that. But when I was at the funeral, something really profound happened that I didn't see coming. I'm at this funeral, and they're walking into this, you know, I had an old grandfather, there weren't a ton of people there, walking into the funeral is my boss and another member of the executive team from this big church, just to be there for the intern who had lost his grandfather for the first time losing a family member. And I mean, really, what am I worth to this church at this point? The most I had done is like send out a couple of emails to parents or something like that. Yet I had friends who showed up, who valued me, who strengthened me in that time. I had friends who not only were there the day of that funeral, but who were there when I was having my quarter-life crisis as a 20-something, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do serving in the church, and who hugged me and listened to me through tears multiple times because I needed that at that point in my life. So I had friends who showed up. And i got to ask you, do you have friends who will show up to strengthen you? Here's how Proverbs describes the friends who will show up. From 1717, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I gotta ask you, do you have friends that make you stronger? Do you have friends that'll make you stronger in your relationship with God even? This quote from Craig Rochelle hit me like a ton of bricks the other day when I read it. He says this, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect to people with our weaknesses. Man, if you want to improve your friendships, I, I got some goodish bad news. You're gonna have to get vulnerable about who you really are. 
You're going to have to be real enough to help people see you in a point of weakness, not just the face that we're projecting to everyone. And can I be honest? This is going to be uncomfortable. And I hate doing this, quite frankly. But it is the path to finding true friendships that strengthen you and friendships that last. Now, Nathan is another friend of David's, and David goes on to live his life and become king, and it's all good and well for a period of time. But after a while, things start to go sideways in David's life, and he has what I would call the rock-bottom moment of his life. There's this point in David's life where he not only commits adultery with a married woman, but when she becomes pregnant, to conceal the fact that she's pregnant, he has her husband killed to cover up the fact that it happened in an adulterous way. And man, I mean, that's just horrible in the first place. But beyond that, the even worse part is David continues to live his life as if nothing happened. I don't know if you've ever been there before where you're so callous that you've done something that you don't even acknowledge the severity of what's happened. And so God sends David this friend, Nathan. And so Nathan He doesn't come right out and say it, but he says, hey, David, let me tell you a story. There was a really rich man. He had all kinds of property and all kinds of cattle and all kinds of sheep, countless, further than the eyes could see. And he had a traveler who was coming in to be his guest. And instead of using one of the animals of his own herd to prepare the meal, he goes to this poor, helpless man who had but one little lamb that he loved like his own child and took the lamb from that man and prepared it to eat for his guest. And David is filled with rage. He's filled with anger. He says, the person who's done this is going to have to pay. The person who's done this, maybe they even need to die. They need to be judged severely for what they've done. And that's when Nathan looks at David and says, David, you are that man. Sure, not with a sheep, you did it with a person, and you totally impacted a family's life. Now, words of truth spoken in hard moments, they hurt, right? But they have the power to do something incredibly healing to us. And because of Nathan's words of truth to David, David, he's broken to the core. He immediately repents. He decides, I can't live this any way, way anymore. I'm not here to justify David's actions, but what we recognize once he's called on it is he totally repents of the wrong that he's done. You know, it's really cool. If it wasn't for that moment of truth from Nathan to David, we wouldn't have this chapter of the Bible called Psalm 51. I think you should read it sometime. It has been helping people for thousands of years recognize their wrong and to live the good and true life. But if Nathan hadn't spoken the truth to David, we wouldn't even have that. See, this is the third type of friend we need. We all need friends who are willing to tell us the truth. And sure, that was hard for Nathan and David. But the truth, I think you might know this, it has the power to set you free. So i got to ask you, when's the last time you had a friend who loved you enough to look at you and say, stop it? Stop it. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting your family. You're hurting your future. You're hurting people around you that you don't even recognize. Because frankly, they love you enough to share words with you that might hurt in the moment. Proverbs says it like this in 27.6. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
Sometimes the worst thing that we can do for someone is say nice things to them when they're literally killing themselves through the decisions that they're making. Look, I need friends who say encouraging and healing things, and I bet you do too. I'm sure you need friends to encourage you and make you stronger. I hope you find that. But the thing is true that we all need friends who are willing to look at us and share difficult words and tell the truth when that's the exact thing that's needed. So, do you have a friend who will tell you the truth the way that Nathan told the truth to David? Now, I think all of us would agree. We all want friends who make us better, make us stronger, who will speak words of truth to us even if it hurts. And I want you to think about it this way. Excluding your spouse, I hope that relationship is moving that way for you. Excluding your spouse or your significant other, who are those friends in your life for you? Now, I know this may be corny, but I need to know if you're tracking with me for a second. If you could use more friends to make you better, stronger, or tell you the truth, could you just raise your hand if that's you? Do you need another friend to make you better, stronger, or tell you the truth by a raise of hands? Anyone in the room? Sweet. I appreciate that. Bravo to you for the audience participation for the day. Um, I got another question for you. When you think of all the hands that just went up in the room, where are all those friends going to come from? Who is going to be the friends that even this room needs? Who's going to befriend the kid who's isolated in the cafeteria? Who's going to befriend the coworker who everyone is frankly so annoyed by that everyone's avoiding them? Who's going to help the truckloads of men and women in our community, in our church, in our region and beyond who think that they have the most wrecked marriage ever because they're isolated? Can I tell you the secret to this whole friendship thing? It's supposed to be the thing where we have friends who make us better, stronger, and who tell us the truth. But here's the secret. Being a better friend is so much greater than gaining better friends. Being a better friend is so much greater than gaining better friends. See, I knew it wouldn't be a challenge to help you recognize that we all need more and better friends. Of course, we can hop on board with that. The real challenge is for each and every one of us to look in the mirror and recognize that we need to be that type of friend for a world that is desperate for true friendship. So think about how many folks in the world are just begging and imploring God, God, just send me one person who understands, one person who will listen, one person who just knows me. And maybe that's the bucket that you're in today. Maybe you came in here completely isolated on this morning and you're just trying to figure out where you can belong in this world. Now, if we're ever going to meet the need of all the people who just raised their hands and the countless other people outside of our doors, this is where it starts. It's time for us to be the friends we need where we live, work, and play. And I promise you this, it's not going to happen on accident. <laughs> It's not just, you're not just going to become a friend like through osmosis without those type of friends around you. It's a supply and demand issue. So I got to challenge you very clearly. While you pray that God would send better, stronger, and truth-telling friends into your life, would you also at the same time pray that God would turn you into that type of friend? Would you expect and trust God to give you what you need? But would you also stand prepared to let God use you to be the friend that people need? I think if we did that, even if just this service did that, it might change and set off a movement in our church that we have never seen before.
Now, I got to hop up on my soapbox for a minute because I am our group's pastor, and we talk about groups all the time, and I'm super appreciative to have that support as a church. But if you've heard us talk about groups over and over and over again, you're probably thinking, why does this matter so much? Why does it matter for me to be in an environment where I can belong and grow in my relationship with God and other people? Or maybe you're thinking, I would love to do that, but I'm an adult and I have a life. <laughs> I have responsibility, I have kids, I have work. This hour is as much as I can give. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'd like to take a step forward, but frankly, like, I'm afraid to reach out to people who I don't know. Because not all of us are social butterflies, if we're being honest, right? Something really cool has happened in the life of our church over the last 18 months, and we've started an event that a lot of other churches have done called Group Link. That is this Wednesday night. Now, Group Link is an interesting experience, and if I'm being totally transparent, it's kind of like speed dating for groups. I just got to get that out of the air so you understand that I'm not trying to bait and switch you. Here's what I'm finding out, though. At GroupLink, if you spend 90 minutes showing up, being real, and joining in, you might develop friendships that last and friendships that you can truly find the source of becoming better, becoming stronger, and people who might even look at you and tell you the truth. At the last GroupLink, something really incredible happened. There was a group of folks who have been going to church here for as long as 20 years and as little as six months who all got together at GroupLink, recognized that they were a group, and have continued to meet together on a weekly basis to support one another and to help become better, help each other become stronger, and even to tell the truth to one another. And I'm watching incredible things like that happen again and again as people just show up, be real, and join in for 90 minutes at a group link event. And they're from the Paxton area, for crying out loud. If five families can come out of the woodworks from like 45 minutes north of our church, I am sure there's a place for you to belong and grow as well. Now, with that said, it's not just that people are finding community. In our groups, people are walking through real life, pain and suffering with one another, and strengthening one another through the real things that are happening in life. You know, Andy Standy said it this way, you never need a group until it's too late. Does that make sense? See, you don't need a group for once life gets bad. You need a group for when life gets bad and tough, because we need people around us in those times. But can I take it one step further? Because I'm trying to sell you on this whole group link experience, and I think it'll benefit you personally, I'm sure. But maybe the reason why you're supposed to come to group link and join a group is not even for you. What if it's not about you whatsoever? It's not exactly like friends are lining up out the door to support and care for people selflessly in the world. What if there's just one other person in a group at this church who needs the true friend that you can be, and you just show up and make yourself available. See, I think this is the reason why we actually need to join a group. Not for what we can get, but for what we can give, because God wants to untap something in us to make the people around us better, stronger, and so that we can speak life and truth into them. So, are you willing to jump in and be the friend that this church needs? Again, group link, it was just up on the screen. It's on the 16th, this Wednesday, from 6.30 to 8 in the Oasis at the back of this building. You can sign up at fcc-online.org forward slash group link. And frankly, if you don't want to decide right now, I would encourage you actually to like take out your phone and quit listening to me and decide right now. Like That's the only time I'll ever ask you to do that ever. So take advantage of that right now. The other thing that you can do is you can just show up and we'll make room for you. Because let me say this clearly and definitively, 
you matter here and you're needed here as well. Let's move to our time of response. Now, off the soapbox, cool. Um, I don't want to belabor the point today. I just want to leave you with some reliable, trustworthy sayings. This is from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I don't know what your family of origin is like, but the honest reality is, is when we enter a room like this, there are people who came from great families. There are friends in this room that, frankly, you're not even able to associate with your family anymore because of something that someone's done to you or any number of different things because of abusive patterns. Isn't it profound that by God's grace, he gifts us people in our lives that transcend even the bond of blood, that people born from a different family could be the type of friends for us that truly reveal to us the kindness of God. There really are friends out there that stick closer than a brother. But really, I think although that's a profound example, that statement points forward to even more profound example of friendship. Perhaps the most profound friendship that there is. Jesus had a friend named John who recalled these words of Jesus in John chapter 15. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for one's friends. You know, elsewhere, Jesus also said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. I think not only do you desire friendships, but there is something within you calling out of you for you to become the friend that truly puts other people's first because that's who we were created to be in the first place. You will never come more alive than you do when you recognize that the point of life isn't to look out for you, but to recognize that in Christ, if we put our faith in him, We are literally one body together. So if something happens to you, it hurts me just as badly as it hurts you. And we recognize all of a sudden that it is far better for 300 people in a room to look out for me rather than me just to look out for myself. And so this is what we're learning. Jesus sets the bar for friendship so high. Jesus sets the bar high for friendship. And it may seem intimidating. It may seem impossible for you to be the type of friend that you know you need. But by the presence of Jesus, by his spirit living in you through your faith, you can do far more than you ever anticipated in terms of being the friend that this world, that this community, that this church needs. So with all that said, God has gone to incredible lengths through Jesus to both reconcile you to him, but also to call you friend. There isn't a single thing that God would not do to climb over whatever barrier exists to call you friend. And so friends, it's time for us to see that vision, to be the friends that the world around us is so desperately in need of. Let me pray and I'll give you some ways in which you can respond. Jesus, we, we, we want to know you so that we can be the people that you have created us to be. I pray in this time that we wouldn't just be inspired to look for the right friends, but that we would trust you in faith to provide those friends for us as we seek to be those friends for other people.
So whatever that next step looks like for us, God, whether it's showing up at an event, investing in a single person, help us to look beyond ourselves to meet the great need there is for your world. We lift this up to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're new to First, there are a number of things we do in this time. Uh, One thing that we're going to do is we're going to worship and sing. And I'm going to say something really corny, but I want you to sing to Jesus in this time as if he's actually your friend. Seriously. I know that a lot of the time when I'm singing, uh, I'm thinking about something else. And I think that's totally natural. we got a lot of things going on in life. But give yourself permission in this time to sing to Jesus as if he is actually the one that rescued you and set you in right relationship with God. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to give and respond. And Danny talked about a number of the initiatives with that. Maybe it's your time to write FPU on your connection card so we can follow up with you and get you into that class. Or you need to get out your phone right now and go to fcc-online.org forward slash FPU and do that. Or maybe you got a prayer request. Or maybe you're just tangibly going to give in the give and respond boxes. Thank you for your generosity. You can use the Give app in this time as well. But another thing we're going to do is we're going to celebrate communion. Christians everywhere are doing this today to remember that it's in Jesus, his broken body and spilt blood, that we're truly friends of God. So there are six tables around the room. Would you go on ahead and take that little piece of bread and that little cup of juice if you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior and friend and celebrate what Jesus is doing to reconcile us to God? But finally, I want to encourage you to pray. And apologies to the introverts in the room, but I'm going to ask you to pray in a very specific way. A lot of the time we herd in and out of here and we see people who are valuable to God, but we don't take the time to stop and recognize what a sacred thing is happening when we see one another. And so something that I would love for you to do today, if God so calls you, is to walk up to someone and specifically ask them how you can pray for them in this time of given response. I know that that might be totally out of your comfort zone. I just want you to give people the benefit of the doubt in this moment. If someone walks up to you and asks to pray for you, just understand that they have pure motives in this time, and we would love to journey alongside life with one another. So you can do that by sitting in your chairs, or you can come to the prayer branches in front right now. But here's what I'd love for you to do. Would you stand if you're willing? As we prepare to respond, I want you to remember this big idea. Jesus sets the bar for friendship high, but he makes it totally possible to ascend to that level by the Spirit resting in us. So let's be the friends that the world needs where we live, work, and play, and let's respond right now.